Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Willie Brazil's a guy I've known for a long time. He coaches at Columbia Heights. His team is 9-0. and And uh, he's also heavily involved in the summer basketball and you wonder how do those teams get constructed how do you find a team we'll talk to him about that plus it's mlk day willie is african-american as is uh, many members of his team and i and i always find it uh, a teachable moment when you when you come to days like this willie thank you for joining us hey anytime mike good to talk to you always you too now what do you when it's mlk day do you, do you have a special message for the kids or uh, how do you get them to understand what it is that you know well, again, I think as time passes, unfortunately, I think the meaning of the name of Martin Luther King kind of loses its, uh, I, I don't never want to sure. say importance, but I think... I know exactly what you mean. It's, it's harder and you harder know, the fewer people that have, that have seen it and lived it, right? That is correct. I mean, I think for what I do and what you would find interesting is we end up ultimately asking the players, what does the day mean to you? And most of them, of course, there's no school today. There's so, no school, yep. You know, yeah. So instead of thinking that, you know, the importance of the man, the importance, the importance of what he stood for, I, that's what I mean by I think the message is lost. It's not the downplay, the efforts that people do to remember him and remember the efforts, not by any stress. But I try to, uh, you know, engage them, if you will, to just try to think about uh, what it would mean to them or to their family. And I think it's it's really tough for for young uh, students these days, Mike. Really and, tough. And and maybe you know, Willie. Maybe you were the same at that age. But I don't know. But uh, the point being, you know, different people come to understand things in different ways at different times in their life. And I'd imagine part of what you try to do is just plant that seed. You might not be the 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 one that gets them into a to read an autobiography or a biography on them. But maybe by planting that seed, maybe when they're twenty three years old, they might or something like that. Well, I'm hoping that their parents, more than me or yep. more than any teacher, is really saying what the significance. And I like to say uh, what how value-added Martin Luther King was to our culture. It isn't just being African-American. or It's the culture. It was he stood for injustice. You know, they lose that meaning of injustice. Today, I think if you ask a lot of our youth, and this is nothing against, this is my own comment, just meaning the person will say the injustice is, by the hands of a public official or a police officer. That wouldn't have been the explanation you would have gotten from Martin Luther King in the 60s. It would have been true injustice, meaning like you and I couldn't have shared back then the same drinking fountain, Mike. And that would have been, that's the injustice he stood for versus now they believe the injustice is they're at the hands of another adult or uh, someone of authority 
doesn't mean that that's not an injustice. That's why I got to be careful how I put it. But I think just to know what he stood for uh, is a big, huge difference in their interpretation of ours. You know, the other piece that I think is sometimes missing from the Martin Luther King movement is that, and I don't think people think of it this way very often, but he was fighting for white people, too, because yeah. he was fighting injustice. And, and injustice happens to white people, too, in, in different forms. You know, I mean, I mean, it's not always a race issue. Sometimes it's an issue of injustice comes in different forms. It could be white to white and everything else. And that's what he was saying, right? If it's wrong, we need to fight it. That is correct. In one of his most famous quotes, he wrote in Atlanta jail, and that was the measure of a man is when things are not going well, where do they stand? Now, I'm abbreviating it, of course. Sure. But the point was he had spent the whole day, you know, fighting for rights. But when he was arrested for standing for someone's right, not one single person, and these were people of authority, came to his assistance. So you're right, Mike. He wasn't just in and even that, that situation wasn't just for African-American or black people, if you will. It was for all people. Yeah. And he felt that way. He strongly felt that way. That's a good That's a good uh, point that you made. Very yeah. much so. I appreciate that. I don't hear that very often. I made a good point, but after being married for 23 years, <laughs> I, I don't hear many positive things, you know? You know what I'm saying, Willie? I mean, I'm just saying, you know? Now, let, let me ask you about... Um, uh, the AAU circuit, because this, this conversation comes up this time of year as people begin to, they've got their season, then they've got the summer season. You've been heavily involved in it, and I don't think a lot of people really know their way around it. Let's just say that you've got a young um, uh, son or daughter that's a pretty good basketball player, and they're 9, 10 years old. What what do you tell them about getting involved in summer basketball and the healthiest way to go about it? Well, I'm asked that question a lot. I get a lot of emails uh, with those inquiries. Usually people, believe it or not, start at the eight-year-old, nine- and ten-year-old age level. And it's difficult because they want to ask that question. How can I get my son or daughter involved? Well, it begins with the structure of what do you want them to do? Now, Mike, when I say that, they immediately want to put them on teams. They immediately want to find a team to place them on. But it works by someone having tryouts by someone actually owning that team, if you will. Now, when I say own, meaning they're going to be responsible for everything from holding those tryouts to practices to buying uniforms if they want to participate in events to just flat out giving the student athletes a good opportunity. That, to me, is the big question, and it's hard to really explain that, depending the big question that will come next is where do you reside? You know, uh, people that are not in the immediate inner city, if you will, or the metro area, it's tougher once you get outside of it because they're still out athletes as well. But it's hard to say, well, you got to go here or there for tryouts or find information for activities in your area. It becomes very, very difficult. I, this is an interesting thing that happened the other night to me, uh, Willie, and, and it's not the first time it's happened. Um I was over at, I'm not even going to say where it was, I guess it's not really important, but it was a Saturday night at 7 o'clock, and, and it was pickup basketball, right? And, and, and the word was, you know, come on out, come play some pickup ball. Um, there were, I bet you by the time I left there, and, and I sat with a friend of mine there that was semi-organizing, there were about 40 African-American boys there playing basketball. Pick up, winner keeps court. You you know the way this goes down. Yeah, and a absolutely. couple things struck me as I watched that. Number one was, 
I was amazed that, you know, it's semi-structured and that they were, key, you know, call your own fouls, but you, you keep track of the score. You don't lose sight yep. of that because there's another team waiting to play uh, that's got next. Uh, but the, the two things that struck me was, and, I, and I've observed it a few times now, is um, very few arguments, or if they were, they were short and there were no fighting. And then the number of kids that showed up, and I'm sure, you know, some of this has to do with social media and texting. It's not hard to figure out where things are, but that that many kids would want to on a Saturday night come and play basketball. And I don't know if that tells me love for the game or are we not offering enough things for these kids in the inner city to do? How do you read that? I think it's a little of both, but I also think you have, well, COVID aside, I think it's, it's, very difficult for someone to say, I'm going to open my gym for the exact activities that you just described to have 40 or 50 people there. When, if it's only one court, 10 guys are going to play at one time. Mm -hmm. You got 30 guys standing around that in and of itself is very difficult to organize and maintain whose facility will you use? Again, I want to say COVID aside. Now, most people aren't trying to do that, but you don't care. Yeah, it's amazing to me that that many guys wanted to play, you know, on a Saturday night. Right, but the difficulty is organizing, and you're right, they do it by social media, they do it by text. You will have players, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's some of my players and some other coaches in the area where their players go and find these events, and you're right, late Saturday night. They talk about it amongst themselves. Where can we go get a game? And you have some players, depending on the, the time of year, college players coming back, and they do the exact same thing. Where is there an open gym? And they refer to it as open gym. Yeah. And they will go, and there will be 60 guys there before you know it. It's amazing, it's though, that they, that they they enjoy the game that much, and, and they give up a Saturday night. Oh, they they don't they don't think about that part. They just want to play. They just want to play. I mean, and play. that's where... That, and they probably played earlier in the day. A lot of games are being played on Saturdays right now because of the, the shortage of officials. They yep, have to stretch them yep. On I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of them already out. had games that day. But you know, one game's not enough for them. Can you stay on with us for a quick break? Absolutely. Be glad to, Mike. Willie Brazil is our head uh, is our guest. He's head coach of Columbia Heights. They are unbeaten. Uh, laid it on Fridley pretty good uh, the other night, and they got a good one coming up tomorrow. But uh, we're talking about summer basketball, MLK Day, and much more. And I'm going to get some thoughts on that. If, if, if you want to organize a team, how do you go about doing that when we come back? Willie Brazil is our guest. Sports the Max is the program. So, Willie, to, to take off on that point, I'm watching all these, a lot of talented kids play, and I'm thinking, how easy is it for someone uh, to organize a team and to get them in play in the summer if, if you want to start a new team? So you say, uh, I, I know I got these guys, and I think they're pretty good, and I'm going to be in charge of uh, putting a team together and entering them in tournaments. Uh, what do they need to know, and how difficult is that? Well, a couple I'm sure you hear that all the time, problem. by the way, right? Yeah, we do. And, and the the tough part is trying to explain the logistics. And what do I mean by that is you got to have a gym. Hard to practice or organize a team if you don't have a gym. I'm going to stick with basketball at the moment. So that's a cost, usually, unless you, even those coaches, to get your facility in off season for someone else, the school may ask, well, who's going to pick up the cost? Because yeah. nothing's free. If you go to some of the larger communities, they definitely are going to charge anywhere from $35 an hour to $75 an hour. Yep. So that's one of your costs. The other part is organizing. If you're going to have a tryout, you got to be out there and, and have somebody know that you're looking for 
10 and 11 year olds. So that's another thing that people forget. Unless you have 10 players or 11 players or 12 players, that's when it gets interesting because the other piece will be cost. What do you want to pay for jerseys unless you have them already? You got to charge somebody. Then it the dynamic changes, Mike. Yep. You know, you when you when you ask parents or family members for money, a lot of people equate that to my child better play then. Well, you can't have 12 people if you can only play 5. So yep. then the logistics get even uh, Right, and these are these are real things you got to consider, right? I mean, you you, you can't be a pie in the sky. Yep, and there's guaranteed right now for almost every age from 9 and under till about 14 or 15 and under. There's a mother or a father that wants to do it for their child because it, you can only play five at a time. So and it's, it's a lot more difficult and logistically hard to pull off unless you already have those things in place. So everybody always looks to already established programs, and there's many. There's a lot of, of, of programs that are already established. If I start naming them and miss somebody, I probably will kick people off. So I'm going to try to avoid doing that. But there's a lot of them, and so what we do, or at least what I do occasionally, is I'll send them a list of what I will call known teams. But I try to put that work on them, Mike, to say most of them have internets. you got to call them, talk to them, see when they're going to have their tryouts. But that doesn't guarantee your child and in tryouts, Mike. They're charged $25 to $50 to take your child to a tryout. Why? No gym time is free. Yep. So you also have, in some cases, liabilities. People don't. You know, they think, well, wonder if Bobby gets hurt. Will they sue me? These are just things people automatically think about, which also can be thoughts that as a new owner or someone that wants to start a team really doesn't think about a whole heck of a lot. But it's a tr- it's, it's true. It happens. So, so let's just say you get your, you, you've got enough talented players to compete. How easy is it to enter tournaments? Well, that's another, you know, there are several organizations here in Minnesota that, that do it well. It would be too easy for me to say AAU. But there's also AAU. There's also Minnesota Youth Athletic Services. And then there's multiple independents. There's prep hoops. There's uh, other individual organizations that run their own tournaments, Mike. So you can usually find someone. I, I like to say this with, with just being honest, that will take your anywhere from 250 bucks to over 500 they, you know what I mean. Sure, they're, they're looking for teams. You're saying they're going to put you in. Yeah, they're going to put you in their tournament. Quality is a whole different uh, idea, you know. Because once you join these group, one of these groups and play on Saturday, and you go to next Saturday, odds are you may end up playing the exact same teams you played the week before. So a lot of people want to organize their teams and travel. Either Iowa, Wisconsin, the Dakotas. It, it gets kind of uh, you know complicated in the sense of. Back to money. Yeah. You can't do this without thinking of the economics of it, traveling, or if you're going to go out of town somewhere, you have a potential hotel cost. Who's going to pay that? Yep, and, and meals, yep. Who's going to pay that cost? The parents going to pick up more costs. So you have a lot of parents that get a little uh, economic shock when they find sure. out how much traveling can be involved. Now, you, you mentioned something, though, Willie, and that's roster size. If a parent is putting their kid on the AAU team, how important is it to ask questions about roster size, and what to you is the ideal roster size that will assure your kid gets to play ample minutes? Well, what, part of what I talk to parents about, Mike, is, is this up front. If you're going to 
want your child to be on the team, ask those questions up front. How much are you going to ask me for? After eight games, are you going to ask me for more money? Are you, when you ask, because it's a, it's a person-to-person uh, negotiation, if you will. So a lot of people call in July or August after they were supposed to go to all these tournaments and it doesn't happen. Well, I gave this person $1,500. You're not going to get that money back unless you go to conciliation court. And that's six months deep or whatever. Yeah. So it gets to be very, very difficult. So I always say you have to be upfront and honest. Now, numbers, let's talk Frank here. You can only put five on the court, but you need really ten to practice unless you're doing a joint practice with someone, which is an ideal situation, but most people don't want to do that. I just think it's ten or less because you cannot play them all. But if you're going to ask people for money, I don't care, Mike, he can be one of your best friends that you put his child on your team and you ask him for money. They're kind of thinking that Bobby's going to get a chance to play. Yep. And if, if he or she doesn't, then there might be a little animosity in the, unless you're saying that up front. And it's difficult. Yeah, I would say, I mean, if you could play on seven or eight on a team, it'd be perfect. And, and you know, but the only problem then is you got to make sure all seven or eight show up every game, right? That is correct. Or practices. You can do four yep. on four, of course. That's why you know, when people ask, I say, well, eight, you, if you can work with four on four, put the five out there. Most people teach their offenses, you know, run the plays with no defense anyway in most cases. So you can pull it off. And then the other things are game situations, but you'll you'll be much happier with eight or ten or less because odds are you probably will be able to play them all potentially. Now, now there's another piece to this uh, that I've never been quite sure of in summer basketball, and that is the value that you get out of it. And, and I know some of this is contingent on who the coach is, but should is the greatest value that you expect your kid to improve fundamentally, or is the greater value that they get exposed to playing a lot of different players, and, and in some respects, they might see how high the standard is because they play against some of the best in their age group that they would have never been exposed to, and, and, and they play in pressure situations because they're playing games and they got to make free throws they got to make shots and all that stuff is that the greater value or should they should they be expected to improve a great deal fundamentally well we'll go age with that question mike i think the older they get challenging them now when i say older i'm talking 14 right before high school 13 14 15 you because a lot of people think their student athlete is a lot better than they actually may be mm-hmm. the younger and i you know my my granddaughter is a taller uh, eight-year-old, if you will. And my son and I had this conversation. The younger they are, I think, focus on fundamentals, dribbling, catching the ball, learning the, the, learning how to play the game at eight, nine, ten-year-olds. Their skill set will not define how good they may or may not be at 15, 16, 17, when and if you might be a, turning into a specialist, which, you know, our days we all played down to every sport yeah. versus – you know, focusing as a specialist. But so I say when they're younger, it's got to be fundamentals. So I think I won't speak for all high school coaches. By the time you get them in your tryout, there's certain things you honestly expect them to be able to do, Mike. So if they're not able to do that, you probably hurt them putting them with the ball in their hand to see them at eight, nine, ten-year-olds scoring 30 points in a game because they can shoot and dribble better than all other eight and nine-year-olds. Yep. You probably will teach them something, but it won't be the fundamentals necessarily that they're, they're going to need to play high school level. I think people truly underestimate the skill changes at the high school level. 
Cool. And, and I, it may be. The I'll tell you what else they underestimate, Willie, in, in this in this state, and I watch a lot of it. Is you know, obviously your stars are your stars, but there are so many kids at what I call that second level, meaning they're good players, not not great. Not scholarship players, but they're good basketball players. And there's a whole bunch of them. And, and they could be the number three player on your team, or they could be the number 12 player on your team, and there's not a lot of room between the two. That is so true. And, and you know, it, it's hard because we live in the instant era. I mean, they can watch the NBA. A lot more players here locally are, are now uh, that these kids have watched in high school now playing in the league. You know, I, I ask this question every season for my high school team. How many paid players in the NBA? You'll be shocked at what I hear. 4,000. Yep. No, 3,000. No, we're under 600 paid players in the under NBA. Under What, coach? You're wrong. No way. I said, yes, it is. But how many scholarships are? Then you get into the thousands. Yep. You have better chance of learning to be fundamentally strong and solid, either football or basketball. Get that college education for free. Or if, if even these days, you know, you get help with college. That's more important. But, you know, we don't think about that. They love to watch them in the Division One programs. Who doesn't want a child to play? Sure, absolutely. Who and play Division One. But I just think the pattern has to be fundamentals at the young level, and hopefully they attain the skills that will be necessary to compete at a decent level at high school. But not everybody that enters your high school is going to get that Division One or Division Two scholarship, it just doesn't happen. Now, I mean, you got Terrence Brown and Mujah Burton out there. Both of them could could mm-hmm. pace that way the way they're going. Uh, but I meant to ask you about this earlier. Now I'm down to the last question. You guys are unbeaten. <laughs> Tell me about this team. Well, we we uh, again we're a senior dominated team uh, this year. Um, still losing two. I've lost two seniors, one to injury, and the other one uh, injury as well. So we should have two more seniors uh, participating with us. Uh, one is uh, Spencer Alvarez, who's going to the University of Minnesota. He, he hurt his knee, yeah. and he won't be participating with us. But yeah. these guys are, are a mature team. As one of the coaches, we played De La Salle a week ago, and uh, their their coach, uh, you know, uh, talked about uh, the maturity of my team so far. I mean, we still have a tough schedule to go. We went to Hibbing over the holiday. Tough games there. And I think it helped the team mature quite a bit. Uh, and then we subsequently played De La Salle last week. We have Richfield tomorrow, St. Anthony Friday, and then we have Minneapolis South on Saturday. So we're getting into the heart of our schedule. Uh, it doesn't get any easier, but I'm really proud of the guys up to this point. But it doesn't hurt to have some seniors on your squad. No, it doesn't. No, and, and watch out. Richfield just put 111 up the other night, so it'd be a fun game tomorrow. Hey, hey, always good to talk to you, Willie. I could talk all night with you. Uh, we'll do it again sometime, but continued success, and thanks for shedding some light for all of us. You bet. Anytime, Mike. You know that. All right. Yeah. Willie Brazil, great guy, man. When we come back, we'll talk about who's on the list. Uh, who are the top basketball players in Minnesota, and how do you get there? Uh, some interesting names and some interesting players. Uh, I'll expand and explain when we come back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.